You're listening to Escaping the Rat Race. I'm your host, Amy Leo, a singer, songwriter, and mental health educator. And our show is all about questioning the status quo and pushing the boundaries into what's possible for human beings and not probable. So tune in and get ready to escape the rat race, not only the monotonous nine to five work grind, but also that incessant internal mental chatter that prevents most of us humans from experiencing more joy, peace, clarity, and freedom. Today I'm speaking with Pearl Klein. Pearl's story is a beautiful testament that our individual creativity, coupled with our innate wisdom, are always there to serve us, allowing us to lean into the opportunities life presents and create a lifestyle truly unique to us. Fellow artists and creatives, struggling and starving is not a prerequisite. <laughs> Keep listening to explore why we don't have to live the way society says we should. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. My name is Amy Leo from reviveyoursanity.com. And today we have a special guest, Pearl, and she's going to be sharing her story about what it's like to build a business and run a business. So I am going to let you just take it away, Pearl. Well, my story starts uh, with the traumatic tenure track experience I had when I was trying to get into academia. And um, I think I fell into academia because I had a master's of fine arts in writing poetry. And that seemed like the next obvious step. Um, and what happened was I got caught in the academic timeline and uh, ambitions that I don't think were really my own and ended up being tormented for about three years by a group of people who had a lot of power over me and weren't very good at um, bringing out my best. So I decided that in some way I was done with teaching. And when I say done with teaching, um, I think I never really have stopped teaching, but that I was done with trying to become a professor. Gotcha. And in the meantime, I had been doing for years uh, a, a freelance writing projects as, as they came up. So if there was some reason, if somebody needed something, uh, then they might hire me. And it was really on an ad hoc basis. So I was in my last year of teaching and I got laid off and I said to myself, well, this is too bad because I was really enjoying taking classes and if only there were a way for me to continue to take classes while on unemployment without having to look for work or pretend to look for work. And it turned out that there was a program in, um, I believe it's a Washington state program, but it may be a federally related program, um, a worker retraining program at the school where I had been teaching. So I went from the decline field of post-secondary English education into the growth field of writing by getting a certificate in writing and directing for the camera. Okay. So I was moving in the direction of performance and uh, creating works on stage and on film, and at the same time aware that that was not necessarily going to be um, economically sustaining. So 
I cast around for another approach and I ran into uh, a woman backstage who was in a play with me who was working as a coach for uh, creative entrepreneurs. And she said, oh, well, you know, with your um, film background and your writing background, you should be creating web videos for small business people. And I said, wow, what a great idea. (laughs) And so I started following her around and doing everything that she said. She, she really uh, had thought a lot about the way that people who are um, creative and therefore conceivably um, uh, not unemployable, but uh, challenging to employ, they, they don't want to work in um, mainstream occupations and they may not be very good employees because they are uh, spontaneous and uh, right-brained. So she worked a lot with people who were looking for a, a path that was more creative. And so I realized that the, the, the focus of what I was doing needed to be writing. And that, that in fact, had always been one of my goals in life. If, if I look back over journals, I would occasionally find a list of uh, characteristics of my future life that included making a living around words. So I started getting more and more serious about it and trying to figure out what exactly that looked like. And it went through a lot of different evolutions. Um, And at one point I was calling myself a copywriter. But what I realized was that I uh, was not satisfied creating a document for somebody else and then emailing it to them, waiting for their response, having them get back in touch with me and um, ha- needing changes and the, 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 the slowness and the lack of momentum of that process I found to be really frustrating. At the same time, I love conversation. And so my work has evolved to be one-on-one writing uh, via, for the most part, video conferencing, where both parties are working on the same document online together. um, And we talk through ideas, we talk through words, I may interview my client, they may have a mind dump. It can take a lot of different forms, but ultimately it's collaborative and so now I call myself a writing coach and that's my story and I'm sticking to it (laughs) you're sticking to it perfect as any as any writer would (laughs) (laughs) no a writer would revise yeah yeah that's true editing going back (laughs) oh that's a whole nother theme but I, I was really I just want to say the word tickled. I was tickled by your story in the sense of how you were just leaning into life and the different opportunities that were presented. And I do have a lot of people that I work with, friends, family, clients who do want to write for a living and make an income, but they are so caught up in the limited thinking uh, that they have, that they feel that they can't do that. How could they possibly do that? So what I really appreciated from your story is 
the creativity of it and how you weren't going to be pigeonholed. And I think it's so true when, when going along, at least in my own life as well, how everything goes through evolutions and, mm-hmm. and phases. So if someone's listening and is excited by what you're, the reality that you now live in, mm-hmm. and you've created, but they're really, you know, listening really strongly to the limited thinking and the fear and the thinking, well, that's not possible. Is there anything that you would say to them, any advice you could give? Well, I spend um, some of my time hanging out online with uh, copywriters and freelance writers. And uh, then a lot of my other online time is with um, supportive entrepreneurial groups. Um, I'm in a, what, a, a small online community where I get a lot of sustenance and share ideas and so forth. And one of the differences I find between um, these different groups is that the, the, the copywriters and freelancers are often casting out questions like, what is the standard rate of pay for this? Or I want to ask such and such from my client, but I'm not sure I can get away with that. And in the more entrepreneurial focus groups, the, the, the questions are things like, what is your why and how can you do the most service with your work while fulfilling your own uh, vision of how you want to work? And so um, I think that there really needs to be a balance between asking, you know, what are the traditional ways that people have always done things and learning from that, but also saying, I don't want to do those things in that traditional way. I have a, th- a thing that I want to do. And so w- one of the, one of the uh, goals that I have in my life is to be paid for conversation. And um, that is really key to my thinking about how I proceed. And if I put that out there in some, um, you know, in a copywriting group, they might laugh at me paid for conversation because that's not how that system works. But I think that we are in a world now where we can create the structures that work best for us. And so um, we have a lot of freedom and flexibility, which can be scary and really challenging. And um, my joke is that uh, as a, as a solopreneur, my, I have a, 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 a lazy employee and a boss who is sometimes unfocused. Um, and so <laughs> the, different, the different aspects of me uh, come up in different ways, but I stick to the notion that I can create a business that meets my needs. Um, I can create a business that I run from home or from a coffee shop. I can create a business where I can work on weekends or not. Um, I can create a business where I say, um, this is how writing together with me works. And then find the people who are really thrilled by having that opportunity rather than trying to hunt down clients who have their own rules for how things are supposed to be. Yes. Oh, I, I really love what you're sharing with folks. There's so many good golden nuggets. How will I even write up the description of the show? I don't know, but <laughs> it'll be in the unknown <laughs> for sure. There you go. 
you know, there's such a great, uh, a great point that you brought up about the different aspects of ourselves when we're solopreneurs or working in really small businesses. And, Mm -hmm. and there's been this piece for me as I've evolved as, as well with being kinder to myself and being more patient and realizing that when it gets really sticky and really, uh, anxiety ridden, you know, if I do have a moment where all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, how am I going to meet the bills this month? Because <laughs> logistically this looks like a problem. Uh, it's been really helpful for me to not get in there with my own thinking. And because by the nature of being human, that's going to pass. And I'm going to have another moment where all of a sudden I'm much more clear and I'm maybe the world's best boss as opposed to the world's, you know, most tyrant <laughs> kind of boss. <laughs> So I really love that. And I also, you know, when I speak with people as well, it's really, you know, if you're really listening, like what you had highlighted, you can really see patterns in thinking and how that does or doesn't serve the individual. And I have some friends that they, they have this goal of building a business this one way. They want to make money, for instance, from, uh, personal training or, or health coaching, something like that, right? It could be anything. It could be anything. It could be singing. And what I find is that, you know, they're, they're kind of not allowing the process as much. So they get really caught up, you know, in the fact that it, it isn't going anywhere. They're not making money. And then sometimes for each person, the path is different. So for some people, it might make sense for them to get a part-time job while they're building their business. Other people, it doesn't make sense. Um, can you speak to the uniqueness of of each individual and how that kind of takes on a life of its own in business building? I'm going to approach this by sort of reviewing relationships I have with clients, because a lot of the time we're not just coming up with language, but they're saying, do you think I can do this this way? You know, can I present my online community in this container? Um, Or is it okay if I use this kind of language? And um, I see a lot of my work as uh, just sort of like I have a magic wand and I grant permission. So I think that, um, and I'm not sure this is answering your question anymore, (laughs) but I think that a lot of what happens is that people are, people need to grant themselves permission to do the thing that they want to do. And if you don't have, if you don't do it for yourself, then you can certainly hire somebody else who's going to do that. Um, But to me, we we are in a very permissive business environment, meaning that we get to allow ourselves to move in the way that matters most to us. I think that was great. <laughs> I think that was a great response. And I kind of lost, I kind of forgot what the question was. <laughs> no, no, it was perfect. I mean, speaking to the, what, where, where I was going with the question is I see, you know, a lot of folks, um, again, have a lot of hidden beliefs or thoughts based on either culture, well, culture and family beliefs and the personal beliefs that they've kind of latched onto. And they really see that that's, they believe in that moment that's the only way for life to be. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, it's just not true. We're all making it all up all the time. And that's why I really love bringing people on like yourself, Pearl, to show that there are an infinite amount of possibilities for people crafting life, crafting a life and a business around their passions. And like what you said so simply and beautifully, it's so clear to you that you want to get paid for conversations. I mean, that's really clear. 
And then your actions are aligned, you know, with that, uh, which I really, I, I really appreciate. You talked about, you know, getting a part-time job. And I think that it's one of the, one of the barriers we create for ourselves is to, is these external measures of what uh, success is going to look like um, rather than the internal measures. And so it's a failure if I have to go work for somebody else and I can't work for myself. And I've seen that in myself and I see it in other creative friends. And um, I, I myself have been very open to working for somebody else in part because I need more structure than my, uh, my, my, my boss provides a lot of the time. And I like the idea of, you know, getting up and going out of the house and having uh, an external container for my time. Um, but I have found that the jobs I actually have pursued, I'm not really tied to, I'm not attached to them. And I think some of that comes from my theatrical experience of, auditioning for parts I don't get, mm. uh, which is a really good training, I think, for business in a lot of ways. Um, so I am accustomed to not only repeated rejection without a lot of explanation, um, and I never understood when people don't get jobs, I've never understood them saying, well, I should have gotten this job because I know that, you know, I'm the best person for it. So I say, well, you don't know what the criteria are internally and there's almost no way to crack that yeah but in terms of auditioning and getting rejected over and over again I've learned that you have to make the process enjoyable it has to be a, an experience that you're that you're enjoying having so an audition is a kind of performance and getting performance time is all that performers really want so if you can create some enjoyment and entertainment out of what might just be, you know, you take two hours out of your day to perform for two minutes. And then maybe you never hear anything about that. If you understand that as one of the givens, then that really shapes how you look at individual jobs that you might get, individual sales that you might make. You do your best, you enjoy yourself in the moment, you find uh, 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 the, 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 the personal connection and a well of authenticity in that, and then you let go. And I found that in my last uh, audition, my last interview for a part-time job, I thought, I'm interviewing them. I'm auditioning them. And if I don't want to come here, if I learn things about this that make it so that I can't live with this, then I won't. And I must say, I'm in a very... Uh, lucky position. I am almost fully supported by my partner. Um, we could really use my income to increase, but it's allowed me to really focus on the um, enjoying the moment and finding ways to make each task enjoyable, each connection with a person enjoyable. And so if you're thinking, I'm a failure if I have to go to work for somebody else, you can switch that around and say, well, what might I enjoy doing? How might I get some pleasure out of, I don't know, either counting my money or finding a workplace that I, that where I'll meet interesting people or whatever it is. And it, it takes a lot of focus, but it also takes a lot of letting go. 
Yes, I can really speak to that in my own life. You know, I think it's so human that, <laughs> for instance, if we're at a job interview or an audition and then we don't hear back, you know, the, the brain is wonderful in that it likes to make predictions <laughs> based on our past and <laughs> based on what we believe. But the truth is none of that's actually relevant to what is going to happen. And really knowing that, that the moment is really all that we have. That's the only thing that's showing up. And there's something about that that when I personally am fully showing up in life, there are opportunities that are presented that I never would have imagined. Mm -hmm. Now, I had this, uh, I mean, this experience where I, I quit my social work job mm -hmm. and I had no idea what I was going to do. I, I mean, I had some savings, but I had no idea. I thought, okay, maybe I'll just really try to make it as a singer. You know, this kind of really loaded, heavy, <laughs> I'm going to make it as a singer. And then what happened is three months later, I ended up up across an opportunity for work where I would only have to be in the States for two and a half months. Mm -hmm. And then I would get one paycheck a year and I could live off of that. And that wasn't something that when I was six years old, I dreamed, oh, I'm going to be a health insurance consultant for three months of the year. But for the past five years of my life, that has allowed a lot of freedom for me dabbling in what I enjoy to do, like you said, leaning into what makes sense in the moment, building the business or, in, you know, doing this song with so-and-so and then we'll release it here. You know, it's really, really moment by moment. And where I definitely used to get in trouble is all the future projection stuff, taking it seriously as if it meant something. Um, do you have a history of, of any, anything like that, Pearl, of, of living a lot in the past or in the future? Or how has your evolution come, come to be where you realize that the present is kind of where it's at? That's the only place that we can ever be. <laughs> well, um, let me just say, I can talk a really good game about enjoying the moment. <laughs> but I can get into a very long mope uh, and, and, and place of fear and anxiety and uh, self-disgust at, you know, why am I not more successful or, or where somebody else is? And, and, you know, comparison, making up some sort of story about what it all means. So I don't have that, I haven't achieved the evolution, the level of evolution that I'm, I'm speaking of on, on a consistent basis. <laughs> I am, I'm nobody's uh, ideal in that. I think I have learned to to live more in the moment as as I was saying as I create more enjoyable moments as I make sure that the work that I'm doing and the way that I'm doing it is fun and suits the parts of my soul that are you know seeking to be fed it's not that I'm necessarily loving any present moment <laughs> exactly a week ago, I was working through a virus and I was, I spent all day throwing up and I, and, and it was very, I realized it was very hard for me to say to myself, this is not going to go on forever because it felt like it was going to go on forever. Yeah. So, um, but in terms of the, just the, the, the things that I've learned about myself and how I function I have learned to make those moments a lot better. And, and, and one of them, one of the, the approaches for me has been this sort of um, intense vulnerability where um, if I'm talking to a client and they have an important idea that they're trying to put into words and they're struggling with it, 
they are extremely exposed, especially if they're not somebody who loves writing or feels confident about it. And there's a lot of people who have been, you know, abused by English teachers in the past. Um, So I'm working with somebody who's really vulnerable and exposed. And at the same time, I write down a sentence and I just start blubbering apologies for a first draft. But we both know it is a first draft. They watched me generate this language in front of them for their approval. And I'm, I'm very raw. And so I, need, uh, I have learned from that that we're both exposed and that I can give them strength by not apologizing for being imperfect. And so um, I, I call myself an imperfectionist. And the, that frees me up to make that moment a better moment because it doesn't have this extra layer of self-critique and shame. And some of that honestly came out of helping take care of my father in the last several months of his life and finding that my grief was so close to the surface that if somebody said, how are you today? I might burst into tears and yet I would still have work to do with that person. And so if they could take that sort of discomfort and, and move on, and if I could model for them, you know, I, I am frail and vulnerable, and yet I still, I still have the brain that I walked in the door with, and we could make the most of that moment anyway, if we didn't get caught up in, you know, fear about showing human emotion. So that was another really important thing for me to learn about how I worked. And to make that now, I, I don't want to sound like a, a cliche that, you know, being with my father when he died uh, made me more, made me treasure the moment more. But what it did was it revealed that I, that I was really not capable of fronting and I wasn't capable of controlling my emotions. And so I had to live with that and fold that into how I do my work. Yes, I really love how you're speaking to just what it is to be human and how it's universal for everybody. In my own journey as well, I, of course, I still have the breadth of human experience. And what I find is that I am just a little bit more graceful in the lows. Now I'm grateful in the highs. It's in the, in the sense of because I've learned to see for myself that life is always unfolding from the inside out. Mm-hmm. So I've learned that when I'm in insecure moments that I really don't, most of the time. Now, of course, I still do have moments where I forget this because I'm human too. I'm not an alien <laughs> or an enlightened master. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I really see really clearly that I, I, I don't need to take it seriously. And what's been really beautiful is that um, I don't even have to consciously go there anymore. It just makes less and less sense to get in there. You know, uh, an example that that comes to mind is I used to really get down on myself about like my body. And I think that's really common (laughs) as artists or as women or men, men too, men too, uh, to get down on image. And I remember one time it was like three o'clock in the morning, you know, I'm just getting up, getting a little drink. And then I like caught my reflection in the mirror and I could hear like the incessant, like, chatter going of all this self-critique and I literally just smiled I said no I'm not going there I'm going back to bed (laughs) and then what do you know the next morning I didn't (laughs) I didn't have that heavy-weighted feeling so I really love 
that you're talking about, you're speaking to the human experience and the imperfectionism is huge because I do find, and myself included, I can speak for myself that it's like the things that, that I was holding so important to me, like singing or building a career with singing, it was so loaded for me. And I, I really believed that my worth as a human being was caught up in my ability to be quote unquote successful as a singer. Mm -hmm. So of course that felt scary and heavy. And, and ironically, I didn't do a lot of singing, right? I didn't release my work often. I didn't gig out as much. And when I started to see that, you know, I'm actually okay. I really believe every human being is innately okay. If you look at little babies, I mean, it's such a great example of this. And to realize that I at my core am okay, I am enough. And the only thing that can ever get in my way is my conceptual personal thinking. When I realize that, okay, this feeling is coming from thought in the moment, as opposed to when it feels like it's coming from something outside of me, it's a totally different experience, uh, you know, totally different um, and that it doesn't, again, it doesn't seem like there's that much I need to attend to if I know it's an internal process. Mm -hmm. hmm. With that, I know we're running out of time. Oh no. Um, so I guess, let's see, where do I want to go? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I kind of want to ask a question about where you think human suffering comes from, Pearl? And then if you would like to leave folks with uh, something that you'd really want listeners to take home, that would be great. And then, of course, if we can share where people can reach you, because I want people to be able to reach you after the show if they want to learn more about working with you. Well, I can only speak to uh, my own perspective, and I think that that's part of it, is that we create suffering when we compare ourselves to some other fiction. And uh, as, as a writer and storyteller, it's really important to me to point out that the future is all fictional. Uh, it does not exist. It hasn't happened yet. We haven't said the things or had the experiences that we are predicting. So that there's these two fictions, and one is that, that there is a, a right way to do something and other people know it, Usually I don't, or I need to find that out. Or if I find that out, if I discover that somebody else's secret, I will then take on that power and, and become myself, which already sounds really twisted. Um, and then the other fiction is that the future is a thing that we know. And so what I have uh, started to say is that if you're going to make up a story about the future, you know, make it a really happy ending. <laughs> uh, that's the, the, the suffering comes from um, imagining something that is out there that is not real, but has a ton of power over you. And the truth is that every day we wake up and we have to invent our lives moment by moment. So there's that. I'm so glad I asked you that question. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. I'm, 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 I'm having so much fun. <laughs> so for the takeaway, I have really moved in my life toward um, an emphasis on pleasure, joy, and fun and, and parties. So 
uh, I have a lot of projects coming up that are collaborative and it seems to me that the best way to kick off a collaborative party a collaborative project is to have a party where you know today we're having a web building party we're going to make the website for this project or today we're going to write a grant or today we're going to um, brainstorm the language that we use for this project um, so that's one of my ways of building joy into my life because we have at every moment we have these choices and we can choose to uh on the on the very micro level we can choose to enjoy the moment or not but we can also choose to create enjoyable moments and we can choose to build our life and our work around the things that give us the most joy and that doesn't mean you know oh, I hate doing housework, I hate paying bills, I don't want to be a grown-up, um, although those are many things that I, that I do. I, I, I try to build my life so that I can avoid a lot of that stuff. <laughs> but even uh, if I have to, if, if, if I see something as a duty or an obligation, how can I make the most out of that? Uh, so that's, that's what I try to carry through life, um, even on those dark days where I'm wallowing in a pit of self-loathing or misery or fear that I say, okay, you know, if I'm going to be stuck here in this awful cave, how can I have some joy? In terms of contacting me, my website is pearlkline.com. That's P-E-A-R-L-K-L-E-I-N. And that's where you can find out about working with me and where you can find my constantly evolving story. And uh, I have a blog that I put out fairly consistently now on a weekly basis. Fantastic. Fantastic, Pearl. I have so enjoyed interviewing you today. My name again was Amy Leo. <laughs> from reviveyoursanity.com. And if listeners are also interested in kind of exploring these conversations over a longer period of time, we do host a variety of retreats. Our next one's going to be in Costa Rica in August and then India in the winter. So folks can reach uh, me at reviveyoursanity.com if they want to learn a little bit more about that. We have lovely, big-hearted people like Pearl that are around. So I appreciate your authenticity and sharing, Pearl. I think you are just kick booty. So <laughs> I appreciate it. And I hope that we uh, keep in touch. I, I look forward to continue to hear how your story evolves over time. Great. I'd love that. Okay, great. Thanks, Pearl. Take care. Bye-bye. What a great example of someone who's thinking outside the box, living creatively and crafting a lifestyle around what they're passionate about. My major take-home from today's talk was that there really are no limits to what we can create in our own lives. We only think there is. If you want to get more inspirational and practical conversations for escaping the actual or the mental rat race, and you want them delivered straight to your device, remember to subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, if you would be so kind to leave us a review, the reviews are really helpful for us as a new business for people to find us that could really benefit from the show. 
Plus, each week we give away a gift card that can be used at any of our retreats, and we give that out randomly to a reviewer. Again, this was Amy Leo from ReviveYourSanity.com. Until next time, keep rocking.